This, this, this show is brought to you by Safety FM. What's up, peeps? Welcome back to Rebound and Safety. This week, we're reflecting on my chat last week with the one, the only, Simon Casson. Let's jump into the intro and we'll get into it. The problem in safety isn't deviation, it's complexity. Health and safety has gone mad. Health and safety is trying to unpick having gone mad in the past. There's no one solution or one problem. The problem is that we are looking for one solution. Does the structure of the team allow them to flourish? Feel safe enough to be uncomfortable. The environment defines our behaviours. People aren't the problem, they're the solution. Rebranding safety, crushing the stereotype. Brought to you by Risplit. What's up, people? Welcome back to Rebound and Safety. Rebound and Safety is the podcast and YouTube channel doing exactly what it says on the team. We're here to change the perception of health and safety. So if you're new here, hit that subscribe button, follow button, whatever it is on whatever platform you are listening. This is a podcast exclusive episode as we do every month now. So it's a reflection on last week's conversation with Simon Cassin. How did you find it? I liked it. I need to make a couple of apologies first though. Couple of apologies. Firstly, sorry about the distortion in the intro. I, I really don't know how that happened, if I'm honest. I mean, I'm no sound engineer, but you know, we've got quite good equipment. Um, and because we do that one on, on video, um, we use a different mic to what I'll be using now. And it normally works so well, so I think it must have, it clipped onto my top, so it must have, I don't know, just sat really weird and created some distortion. I really, really don't know what happened, so I apologise on that. Um, you know what it's like, Rebound and Safety, I haven't got the time to go back and re-record it, and if I'm brutally honest, I'd already re-recorded that one, because I screwed up the order. So I was like, it's not that bad, turn it down a little bit, cracked on with it. So my apologies if that was too bad or too horrible in your ears. Secondly, the audio in the whole episode. Apparently, I was on that Zoom call with Simon and didn't turn on my proper mic. Apparently, I was using the webcam mic, which sounds really echoey. So secondly, I apologize for that. All around, I apologize for the overall quality of this podcast. <laughs> Apparently, I'm not very good at it. Two years in, still not got it. So apologies out of the way it was a great chat with simon like i absolutely loved it you could tell that we are both talkers and that we were just chatting about something that we quite enjoy because we didn't intro him like literally we started the zoom call i press record and we were just talking for so long that I was like, would you, I think we just need to carry on here and just go with it because you didn't want to ruin the flow of the conversation by stopping and, and getting him to introduce himself and restarting. It would have just been a bloody nightmare. So, yes, that was that was kind of that. Well, we just went with it. I hope I hope nobody was offended by that. We gave him a little outro at the end. He yet to introduce his company and stuff, and everything's in the um, in the description. It'll be in the description of this call as well, so you'll be able to go and connect with Simon, go connect with Alex Training, do whatever you need to do if you wanted to work with him. So. Did you enjoy the chat? If you did, come and hit us up on LinkedIn, James McPherson, Rebound Safety, Facebook, Rebound Safety, and Twitter, Rebranded Safety. Um, and let me know. I really like the way that Simon 
thinks about things and you could tell by the amount of times that we kind of tied ourselves in knots through this conversation that it is a really kind of not yeah it is complicated maybe complicated is the word it's really complicated but it's really cool like i'm really interested in this kind of philosophy or philosophical way of thinking and, and maybe we could do with a few more philosophers in safety like safety philosophers because it's those questions that just need to be asked and i thought that was what simon brought very well to um to our conversation and that's what made me think mm, you know what i think we need this in the um safety one safety two miniseries it was interesting that early on kind of simon talked about change and change management and that kind of reminded me to a conversation outside of the podcast i had with adam johns who's also been part of this uh part of this miniseries and and he we were in this conversation and he said you know the more and more i get into like kind of safety and the more and more i evolve in my career he said i think that you know, most of safety is actually just about change management and i thought you know what so true now i haven't always said that i've always said that change management is one of the things that we massively lack skills in um and it's fundamental to what we do in our roles change management is fundamentally what we are doing we're assessing the current situation seeing if anything needs to change and then do that change if need be so therefore change management is a skill that we're distinctly lacking um and I'm going to do a couple of videos about like the future of safety and, and stuff like that. And uh, But I just think our qualificational background and our educational background when it comes into safety profession is distinctly lacking on a hell of a lot of things, actually. And I think the big bodies like IOSHRSM, NEBOSH, NCIQ need, need to need to catch up like i know i have done their review and they've got the soft skills and stuff but i don't feel like we're supported enough i feel like we need help on these on these skills now you can go and get yourself a, a change management skill tomorrow probably a uh, course tomorrow probably you could probably go and get yourself some soft skills and leadership course tomorrow as well but shouldn't it be fundamental in in our qualifications like nebosh and ncrqs I just, I don't know, I feel like we're going through an identity crisis. And like I say, I'm going to do a video on this uh, on the YouTube channel. So if you are intrigued, go and check out the YouTube channel as well. Let me, let's go into a couple of things. Um, well, I've got in the notes here that I've linked the manual handling training research. So I've linked that in that, that podcast. So that is a great piece of research. And I think it's kind of one that's just going to get swept under the under the carpet in a way and the safety of work podcast they've covered it really well uh so if you if you're not if you're like me and you don't you, you, know, you hate reading research you can go check that podcast out and listen to it on dog walk because they those, those two gentlemen in there cover that very very well i'm sorry if i sound really nasally i feel like i sound really nasal um recovering from a bit of a christmas cold new year cold um so apologies for that the more I kind of listen to Simon, especially listening back to it, um, and we were talking about kind of behavioural choices, and this is what one of my videos are going to be on, and this is probably going to be quite controversial, but the more I listen to Simon, the more I progress into this kind of safety to new view, hop, human factors, space, whatever, I get a sense of feeling that safety generalists like I've just said, are doomed to fail. Like it's inevitable that we were never going to be very good at our job. 
Why is that? Well, I think that... One, we're not given the skills we need. Like, like, can you think back to when you did your Nibosh? Think back to when you did your, your, your Nibosh General, or your, even your Diploma, or even if you did, like, a Master in Safety. Like, do we talk about behavioural change? Do we talk about behavioural management? Do we talk about, like, psychology, sociology? Do we, do we talk about any of that stuff? I don't think we do. And I, I feel like, and I think I've said this a few times, but I feel like safety is going through an identity crisis. And I feel like, actually, we need to probably completely redesign how we look at our profession. Um, and I really feel like the, the safety generalist shouldn't exist. Like me, I shouldn't exist. I feel like our safety generalist types of roles, doing risk assessments or helping people do risk assessments or you know uh, whatever i don't know i can't forget nothing can come to my mind right now other than risk assessments but like the general day-to-day -day management of safety it, sh it shouldn't be our job i don't think most safety professionals will agree with me like there's that old-fashioned saying you know everybody does safety but i think we touched on it in that conversation with simon that isn't ironic that somebody be a welder for 20 30 years or an electrician for 20 30 years and they're not really taught the safety critical aspects of their of their kind of role or maybe they are but it's not really the overarching point of it now don't get me wrong i think the more dangerous a role is and the more prominent safety becomes but why is it my job to tell a scaffolder the safety critical points of a scaffolder of a scaffolding sorry like it shouldn't that shouldn't be my job it should be their job to do that so is the generalist kind of needed or is it a plaster over a bullet wound and actually that the problem we've got here is that managers business owners doers you know actual employees have a fundamental lack of understanding of safety and you know it shouldn't be us reading the ACOPS it should be the ACOPS are fundamentally in ingrained in the apprenticeships in the qualifications that it takes to become a electrician for example why have I in my career and this has genuinely happened spoke to an electrician who never were never under never uh, sorry never known about lockout tagout never heard of it i think you can actually listen back to uh, my conversation with louise taggart who's got a harrowing story about her brother who passed away um and he was an electrician and you, you just seem to think like well, hang on a minute these people should have these a cops these work at high a cops these anything that's involved in their job ingrained in what they do I mean, I did electrics at college. I'm telling you now, we were never taught confined space. We were never taught working at height. I can't even remember us being taught lockout, tagout. But yet, confined space is pretty, I'd say, pretty common in an electrician's role. Crawling around lofts and stuff. You know, if you were working in industrial space, it's probably even more um, juicy. Working at height, yeah, all of that stuff. I don't, I don't think is mentioned and if it is mentioned and maybe it probably is it probably is i think it's just a passing comment like i think when i think back to when i was in college which is a fair while ago now 
my tutors were electricians, which is the obvious choice, which is the obvious choice. I'm, I'm not, you know, that's, I'm not arguing that point. But maybe, just maybe, if my course was on electrical, and it's a safety module, it shouldn't be the electrician teaching that. Maybe we should have a safety specific tutor come in, like a safety specialist for electrical um, stuff come in and, and teach people. But does that contradict my point in saying that safety generalists are gone and therefore the electrician should have a better understanding therefore the tutor should have a better understanding of safety yes but we're not there yet so i just i just feel like we're having the wrong conversations like i feel like we're arguing amongst ourselves as to what we should be and i'm I'm kind of sitting here like well should we even exist like really should we exist as generalists now i think there is a place for safety and professionals that are really specialists and stuff um but I don't want to give away my video too much. But that that kind of that was an overarching thing in my head that we we are kind of doomed to fail. We're not taught about behavior. You know, I, nobody ever mentioned to me change management, behavioral change. You know, psychology, group think. No one taught me any of that stuff in Nibosh or NCRQ. And how many? It wasn't even long ago I did my NCRQ level six diploma. So I just feel like we are as a profession, as professionals we're significantly let down by the people, the companies and organisations that are actually there to support us. And that, that was just an overarching thing. I've got a massive writing in my notes here um, from my chat with Simon. So let's move on. Let's move on. I feel like I've, I've flogged that dead horse enough. Um, do, 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 do. Yeah, safety generalist, pointless, said that. Um, ba, ba, ba. <laughs> you can see how complicated this kind of philosophy, I kind of terrible at saying that word, the philosophical thinking, philosophical, there we go, philosophical thinking, um, how complicated it can get when we were talking about as far as reasonably practicable. And and I think as well, in this, the one we were talking about like people calling people's work stupid. And I think I listened back to it and I, in one minute I'm saying, you know, the people that call Heinrich's work are stupid. And then like 10 minutes later, I'm like, you know, really, we should never say anything stupid. And I, I don't agree with that. And I'm thinking, well, you just called somebody stupid 10 minutes ago. This is a nightmare. Like to ask these really deep, entangled questions. This, this Let's take this, this example as as far as reasonably practicable. You know, the issues that we have... It, it kind of comes back to my point that I don't think I mentioned on this podcast. I've mentioned in a keynote I did for Paradigm and a keynote I did last year that this is bigger than safety. So if you think back to when we were trying to talk about as far as reason be practicable, and then we started talking about the greater good and risk versus benefit and and all of these things are so much bigger than safety they're like economic they're social they're oh god like psychological they're even biological and and as more and more i think about this i just think that this just solidifies my previous point and that we are nowhere near where we need to be from a skills and understanding point of view to actually make the difference we're trying to make think about the conversations we have around safety too, for example, where we talk around, you might go to a keynote this year and they might say, we're a no blame organization. You think, oh, that's really good. And I, and don't get me wrong. I am on the boat 
100%. Oh, I've let my background music run out, haven't I? Sorry about that. I am 100% on the boat, waving the flag. I am there. I get it. You can't blame and learn, and I'm, I'm, I'm with it. Right? Please don't take this the wrong way. My point is, I think we need to acknowledge that the world isn't. And I tried to raise this with Todd, and maybe I used the wrong example because he just kind of brushed over it. And I, but my point is, is that how could we say to our leaders, right? We don't want you to blame anyone because when you blame, you can't learn. When they're going to get blamed, when society's going to blame them, you know, look, look at Grenfell. It's a prime example. So should somebody be held to account or should a collection of people be held to account? 100%. 100%. But it's trial by social media at the minute, isn't it? And has been for the last five years. Now, I don't want to get have too heavily into this because it is a kind of political and social nightmare and, and it should have never happened. And... and it, it, it really shouldn't and i've worked in that industry i think it's a moral industry i think that we don't respect our kind of human counterparts you know for whether they're in different economic positions in their life or whatever and i think it's a disgusting sector and i think what happened at grandfather is disgusting but when i think about what we're doing within this whole process of trying to work out where we're going from, i think it's short-sighted i think that we have such a massive issue here in that, that you think of it from a systems thinking point of view just on the technical side you have you have the manufacturers of the products that then goes to the construction sector then goes to the housing sector then goes to the maintenance and, and facilities management sector and it's just like and it bounces around here there and everywhere and anyone that's worked in construction or worked in from a safety point of view, you know, building a house or a block of flats or, you know, a factory or a warehouse or whatever, and getting those as-built drawings back over to you is a friggin' nightmare. The, the whole thing is a mess. And then you've got the, the responsibilities. So should leaseholders pay for this? And should that? The whole thing is an absolute mess. And when you think about it, like, think about say let's let's stick with the fire example you think about it in a in a property that's a lease property a leasehold block of flats for example right it's like a really common argument in it that the leaseholders own that front fire door my position on it is how how could we give that away to them when if that fire door fails that impacts our area so therefore impacting the rest of the flat therefore it's a shared system therefore it's our responsibility as a landlord but then you get the argument well if you do that if we pay for it then the rental market is subsidizing the leased market and it's just like it's a freaking nightmare you even had it raised in prime minister questions like late last year uh in the way that leaseholders are being treated it's, it's shocking it's frankly it's disgusting and 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 then, and then you even look into the social rented side like it's even worse but when we're asking these questions like so let, let, let's go move on to that, that example of risk versus benefit this stuff is so much bigger like so risk versus benefit so if you're willing to are you willing to take a risk the benefits there so i use the example of of say the wright brothers but they're directly uh benefiting from that benefit you know they create the, the plane for example but is the employee directly benefiting from the risks they take at the workplace beyond their salary it's, it's hard to answer the question isn't it it's like well do we give them a bonus but then we know that safety related bonuses uh create unintended behaviors you know 
do we become a no blame organization even though the world is full of blame and that we we're blaming people before we even know the the end result you know there, there was so many stories of journalists i i remember that coming back to the grenfell example i remember watching a documentary i think it was on dispatches or whatever this journalist is like full-on hounding this guy who worked at i think it might have been kinspan i'm not sure full-on hounding this guy the guy's out on a country walk with his family now this was way before the the horrible email that's been uh, plastered all over the media lately but even then it's like is it right to do that like he hasn't been found guilty or, or anything like that i don't know it's just a, it's such a complicated space and when more and more i talk about this the more and more i listen the more and more conversation read the more and more i think jesus christ we are trying to solve a problem here that is way bigger than safety at work we're trying to solve some of society's biggest problems getting more honesty and empathy and respect into the workplace when we have no honesty empathy or respect in in our general lives it's an absolute minefield and come back to my original point none of us are given the skills to be able to deal with anything like this anything like this we were taught to read freaking a cops and go right this is what you're supposed to do we were taught to do risk assessments none of us were taught kind of socioeconomics or behavioral science or psychology or social psychology just absolutely massive and the more and more i listen to people like simon who ask these very big questions that need to be asked they need to be asked 100 and the conversation was good and it's interesting don't get me wrong i freaking love it like i think it's great but in the back of my head i'm just thinking jesus where do we go from here so once you add kind of philosophy to work and, and safety you can really tie yourselves into knots but i genuinely think we need more of it like I, like i said earlier i really do think we need like a maybe maybe it's like a subset of our profession is to have safety philosophers uh, we have safety science so why can we have safety philosophers or maybe not safety maybe it's occupational philosophers Maybe it's work philosophers, risk philosophers, people that just ask those questions. They just need to be asked. They don't have the answer, they just ask the question. Listen to the answers they get. What about that point that we, we, we discussed with Simon in the kind of Hippocratic Oath? The, the, I like what Simon was saying about that, that kind of joint framework, that ethical framework that... Your big bodies like IRS, RSM, British Safety Council, Rosper, you know, whoever else. Maybe a big podcaster in, in England. Maybe a little podcaster like myself, you know, get them involved. <laughs> um, they create an ethical framework, a Hippocratic oath for safety, so to speak, that we can all operate in. Now, I think back to that safety one, safety two argument and, and, and what I see on LinkedIn pretty much every day now, it's just tiring, is we're all arguing, arguing, arguing and we throw stuff at each other left and right and I think we're all trying to get to the same thing here and then I think about if we had some kind of ethical framework, we had some kind of, 
you know, O for, you know, essentially a Y, you know, it's like Simon Sinek's Y, it, it, that golden circle within our profession would keep us all on track and make sure that our arguments are all going the same way and essentially gives us as a profession some psychological safety because no matter how we argue, um, no matter how much we uh, debate with each other, we all know we're trying to get to the same end goal. Therefore, we become a bit more comfortable to be, in essence, uncomfortable, which I really like. So I really like the idea of that ethical framework. Um, and I know Simon's you know, kind of not necessarily working on it, maybe he is, um, but I know Simon's definitely thinking about this a lot more um, than maybe the rest of us are. And, and I'm interested 100% and I think that'll be a good piece of work. Um, so yeah, maybe watch the space. Maybe we'll do something. I don't know. And if you're thinking of doing something like that, then hit us up. Let us know. Let's collaborate. Let's make this international. You know, let's let's, let's get it like the Hippocratic Oath that we all, you know, kind of work under that same banner. Maybe someone's out there thinking, we already have it. And maybe we do. But I don't see it, and I haven't felt it, so... And I've been in this game for a while. So therefore, as far as I'm concerned, it's not there. So if you think it is there, you need to let us know. Let's move on. Let's have a look at my notes. What else have we got? Ah, Simon raised such a good point. There's so many more people being seriously harmed and... Killed from poor health so why are we talking about safety now that's a question and conversation that needs to be had but are we qualified to talk about health like let's come back to my original point around what we were taught to do so let's use me as a perfect example right I left school with E's, U's and F's pretty much. I think I got two C's in science and that was about it. I was an absolute layabout. And bounced around here, there and everywhere. Trained to be an electrician, wanted to work in theatre, wanted to be an electrician, uh, journalist. You know, I, I wanted to be and tried to be absolutely everything. I literally fell into this career. And, and I love it. Don't get me wrong. But who am I? to now be going talking about well-being, about talking about health. All I'm doing is taking bits out of ACOPs and at the HSU aren't regurgitating them into my workplace. And that's kind of what we are. We're facilitators of information, of experts' information. But the workplace doesn't see us like that. The workplace sees us as experts. You know, I'm so many times am I introduced as a health and safety expert. And I'm like, dude, I am not an expert in any way shape or form an expert for me is someone that you call up as like an expert witness someone that lives and breathes that subject i don't think we are because inherently as generalists we, we cover so much stuff physical safety mental safety health like how can we be all of those things like we're trying to be engineers scientists and health professionals in a day and a legal professional. God, the list would go on. Psychologists, behavioural experts, you know, project managers. Again, I come back to the, my previous point. We're just doomed to fail. We're spinning way too many plates. And you add health onto it. 
Dominic Cooper's very prominent uh, on in his opinion on this, in that we shouldn't be dealing with mental health. And he's got a psychology degree, for God's sake. So when he talks about it, he said, I, I couldn't tell you about psycho people's psychology from a mental health point of view. And this geezer's got a psychology master's or degree or whatever he's got. Or even a doctor, I can't remember. So how is it that I can be expected to do that? And it's uncomfortable it, when, when you, because you kind of want to. And it's so closely connected, isn't it? Like we, when, when we're talking about safety too in that, I think my, my piece that I said around it that, you know, there's some people out there that would say basically safety too is, you know, just good safety with psychological safety added on to the top of it. And I'm inclined to agree with, with some parts of that. And therefore it inherently becomes something that we do in our roles. But are we qualified to do it? Are we competent to have those conversations? If you followed the traditional education of a safety professional, I don't think you are. And I include myself in that. I don't think I am. It's just an absolute minefield. And, and I think when Simon says as well, Simon says... we that you know we're a really young profession so in a way it's inherently expected you know it's inherent that we would we would hit this kind of point of going actually we've kind of we've done some good work but actually now we're, we're getting really complicated because the generalist is probably what we needed in the beginning but now we need some real kind of experts or do we? Or don't we? So I feel like these questions need to be had. We are going through an identity crisis. 100%. 100%. We need to be trying to work out what we look like in the future. What we do. What we call ourselves. What our framework is. Technical. What our, from a technical point of view, what our framework is. What our ethical framework is. You know, what are we from, you know, from a profession point of view, are we technical people? Are we, you know, scientists? Are we psychologists? Are we behavioralists? Are we cultural experts or what? What are we? I think, um, I, I mean, I, I don't know how to bring that to an end, if I'm honest, because I really don't have the answers. Um, but there's one thing that kind of keeps coming up in my head in that and I, again, I said this in my keynote for Paradigm as well, but it, it's kind of like we, we missed the boat last time. Like if you go to listen to, I don't know, um, what's that? Eat, sleep, work, repeat, I think it's called, uh, podcast. And it's primarily about kind of workplace culture and stuff like that. The guy that runs that podcast, I think he's like ex-CEO of Twitter or something like that. And then you could go on YouTube and look at any kind of workplace culture video. And the people that... Are talking about this stuff are not safety professionals yet safety culture was like mentioned in the bloody 50s or something like that i can't remember now so we've been talking about this stuff for years yonks absolute yonks but yet no one's ringing us up and saying can you come and just talk about culture because i think we've got our hands in too many pies anyway i'm going to do a video on this like i've said like seven times in this podcast so i don't want to hash it out too much um Let's move on to some other notes. A bit more charity and respect and empathy is needed as we move into the new year. Manners make the man. There, there's some notes I've got there when I was editing this podcast. 
he talks about charity and obviously they talk about charity from a uh, philosophical point of view when he was doing his degree and then it reminded me of uh, when I went to the health and safety expo in London like oh god must have been like four or five years ago now and Nigel Owens absolute legend if you don't watch rugby this guy's a rugby referee and he's a legend a celebrity in the world um and he now this there's, there's got to be some context to this I and mean, this is not a rugby podcast so i don't go too long and i've already been talking about half hour anyway so in, in rugby is a very respect based game and the, the referee holds a lot of respect or, or used to it's getting a bit football like for my liking at the moment but the referee demands a lot of respect I called sir and things like that to a point that you know I haven't played rugby now for a fair few years and um and I was on dog walk the other day and walked past a guy that used to ref me and I still called him sir um you know that that's how this uh it, it's how it kind of works and gets ingrained in your brain it's really respected like one of the foundations of the sport and for those who don't know Nigel Owens, he's he's gay and, you know, he's had some real struggles in, in, in the past, suicide and things like that, or attempted suicide, sorry. Um, and there's a lot more context to that, but, you know, coming out was one of the biggest challenges. And anyway, he finished his keynote, he was talking about his life, basically, and his challenges as a ref and as a gay man and so on and so forth. And... And he literally just ended that the world just needs to have a little bit more respect. And I was just like, you're 100% right. With no respect for each other whatsoever. Whether you're out driving or you're talking to someone on social media, you can see it. There's just a, a distinct lack of respect for other people. Um, there's no empathy in the world either. I mean, just look at how we talk about coronavirus, for example. Listen how people talk. No one's got any empathy for anyone else. Um, they're distinctly lacking in those two areas. You look at the debates between safety one and safety two, there's no respect there, there's no charity there whatsoever. It's just, it's just people slinging mud at each other. And frankly, it's embarrassing. Like, it's really embarrassing that that's my profession. And just like these little snidey digs at each other, like, I feel like I'm back in the playground. And I, you know, threw myself heavy into that stuff for the, for the for the means of this mini series, and I cannot wait for this mini series to be over, just so I can just, like, you know, what I'm walking away from it. And, and you know, what? I I've already walked away from it, if I'm honest, and I, I don't engage in it anymore. Um, but yeah, it's interesting. But I wrote their manners make the man, because that's the same my grandma used to say a lot of the time. Um, which I was very raised very heavy around manners you know, don't forget your manners your p's and q's um i feel like we've lost that a little bit um manners make the man maybe it should be manners make the person nowadays um and i wholeheartedly agree with that it should be manners make the person but the old-fashioned statement is manners make the man it does roll off the tongue um but 100 bit more manners bit more charity bit more respect bit more empathy is something i'd like to see from our profession a little bit more in the new year and that would be a really good place to end this podcast, but I've got one more thing in my notes here. True justified belief equals knowledge. That's what Simon said. So basically, it has to be true to the person, it has to be justified, and they have to believe it for it to become knowledge. Now, this is the first time I've ever heard that. And I've been a trainer for a long time, but it opened my eyes a little bit. And I think about 
this this preconception. Think about why this pro, this this podcast is called Rebranding Safety, because there is a belief about us which does not, in my opinion, does not match our brand or what we want to be. So, are what we saying in say any kind of safety training? Right? Is it true? Yes. Is it justified? Well, it should be. Hopefully, depends <laughs> if you go a bit over the top. But hopefully, what you're saying is justified. You know, there's been accidents in the past or, you know, there's case studies, there's science, there's ACOPs, there's whatever to back you up. So it's true because all of that stuff says it. It's it's justified because all that stuff supports you. But what if they don't believe it? And then I just think like, wow, shit. All those years of doing training and if they've gone into that room not believing in health and safety or occupational health and safety anyway before they even got in the room we was doomed to fail so it was never going to go into their mind because they didn't believe in what I was talking about anyway and therefore we need to change the way people perceive our profession because they were never going to believe us even even now you know even not so long ago a few weeks ago on a whatsapp group with my mates and one of them hurt himself and a couple of me made, made some jokes about uh you know i work in safety so i made a little joke in there as well around like you know let's know if you need some help around like behavioral stuff and risk management and stuff like that and uh, the comment i got back was quite snarky if i'm honest it was quite like I know he doesn't listen to his podcast, but hopefully if he did, he'd understand that, you know, I'm not that what he perceives as a safety professional being it. And it was kind of like, you know, you, people need to understand that the world has risk in it uh, and we can't just eliminate all risk. And I was just like, Jesus, like, that's not my intent in any way, shape or form. But that's how he perceives it, that, that I live in this world in where we as a professional want to eliminate all aspects of risk and live in a risk free world in that we're all that naive. This is a guy I've known for like five, six years now and still thinks that of, of me and my profession. Even, even with everything I do in my spare time, still thinks that. Why? Is that what he's seeing? Is that what his interactions have been? Is that what he sees on the news? Is that what his newspaper tells him? Is that what social media tells him? Is that what he sees from my actions? I really don't know. But until people change how they perceive us in our profession... It really doesn't matter in what we say or do because they'll never believe us and therefore it will never become knowledge based on that rule of it has to be true, justified and they have to believe it for it to become knowledge. Okay, people, I have waffled on enough. I hope you enjoyed that little reflection episode. I, I quite enjoyed that, actually. There was a lot of notes I've taken there. That's something I think I needed to get off my chest, <laughs> given that this has gone on for 40 minutes. Um, so I won't talk anymore. Uh, if you want to do any work with us or find out some more about Rebound Safety, go to www.reboundsafety.com. Otherwise, I'll catch you next week. Safe.
Views and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the host and its guests and do not necessarily reflect the position of the companies. Examples of analysis discussed within this podcast are examples only based on limited and dated open source information and should not be utilised in real life as the only solution available. Assumptions made within this analysis are not reflective of the position of the companies. No part of this podcast may be reproduced, stored or transmitted in any form or by any means, mechanical, electronic or otherwise, without prior written permission from James McPherson. Thank <laughs> you.